Hey, my name is Lindsay and I'm the host of the AmbiX Smart Building Podcast. If you're interested in smart technology, buildings and cities, then this is the podcast for you. We explore various topics including occupant health and wellbeing, net zero carbon, data analytics, building systems, sensors and much more. Each week we interview industry experts and key stakeholders gathering opinions and discussing the pros and cons of digitised, fully connected buildings and cities. Just search AMBX Smart Building Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Architects of the Future podcast. In this episode we'll have Luminitsa Nagu. She is the founder of the Center Life Architect based in Bucharest and as well her center is a meditation center and uh, integrative hypnosis. She is a yoga instructor and as well she's having a license in the psychology and clinical psychology and now she's also offering services um, around the therapy and uh, coaching with her clients. So in this episode, we are talking a lot about psychology. We are talking about uh, her experience and what she was going through in her life and how she overcome all the obstacles that she has. And as well, we are talking about our emotions, our um expression of the emotions that we have and how to manage the emotions that we have a better way and in the end we'll have a little surprise for you she's also a writer a poetry writer and she's writing uh, therapy art and we'll have a little surprise for you because she's uh, reciting uh, a poem that she wrote that she's not published yet so i hope you will enjoy this episode and good luck i want to welcome uh, luminita and uh, feel free to say hello to everyone who's watching this. And first of all, I want to describe, uh, I want you to describe yourself a little bit. And uh, maybe we can actually start it with what you're doing now and uh, the path that uh, the life took you in this direction, what you're doing now. What was the backstory and um, what was the experience that you had? Really curious to, to find more about uh, what inspired you. So I feel honored to be here. Uh, I'm glad to be part of this podcast. And um, what can I say about me? Right now, as you said, I founded a Life Architect, which is Integrative Hypnosis and Meditation Center. I founded Life Architect back in 2018. And ever since I've kept improving and working on my self-development in order to be able to provide better services for my clients. Um, My journey took me on many, many paths and I had the opportunity to explore plenty of fields, which from my point of view are um, interconnected. Right now, what I'm doing is offering um, a holistic service for my clients, which combines coaching, psychology tools, uh, neuro-linguistic programming uh, tools, elements from yoga or other spiritual schools or disciplines, uh, such as um, traditional uh, uh, medicine. also, I am a personal trainer and functional trainer instructor. 
And I try to combine all these aspects, all these fields together, because this way I can actually be authentic and um, be in touch with my inner truth, which is that healing doesn't come from one place. In order for you to heal, you have to look on all aspects of your being, not only your body or not only your thoughts or emotions, um, also not only the energy um, uh, that you're currently manifesting into your life, because um, when we are just focusing on one aspect, we tend to neglect the others. And there are so many precious lessons that we have together from all the aspects of our being. Um, how it all started, or, or should I, no, wait, I should add the fact that I'm also a creative human being. Okay, so. You should add whatever, um, you, whatever you feel to say about yourself okay. and your identity. So, besides my uh, healer path, let's say, even though I don't necessarily like calling myself, myself a healer because I think that we're all our own healers and I would rather um, call myself a guide. But besides my guiding work, I am also a very creative individual and I like to express my art. Uh, actually, I like to express myself through art. And the aspects that I enjoy expressing through art are um, especially shadow work, uh, the wounds, the traumas that I've been through, being able to give it a form to alchemize all this pain, all this suffering that I've been through um, is what I'm looking forward to do in in my writings in my drawings um in my activity when i when i handcraft or when i am doing uh, handmade stuff so yeah <laughs> okay you pointed different um things which are interesting to dig a bit deeper into them but first of all, you said actually that you are a really creative person, you want to express your creativity. And I wanted to ask, it was always like this for you or there was a moment when you realize uh, your creative power and you express it? There was a moment when you had the right realization that actually you can do st uh, creative stuff or you were from childhood really creative and be able to express it and you, you were encouraged to, to express your creativity um as a kid i come from a very paradoxical background uh, my father was a very abusive and toxic man my mother was uh, very spiritual she was uh, practicing yoga before i was born um, so I think that I was always uh, very creative and I was encouraged by my mother to uh, express this creativity, to express myself through drawing. She learned me how to draw. 
Uh, she used to draw me princesses when I was little and she would let me color them. And soon after I started to draw my own princesses, so <laughs> I could have more stuff to draw. I also was encouraged to write a lot when I was a kid. And I think that happened especially because I had a lot of health problems uh, back when I was a kid. I was a very vulnerable child and that kind of constricted my options. So I wasn't able to experience a lot with um, working with my body, you know, dancing, moving, uh, playing sports and all, all, all that kind of activity. So all my energy was focused on creating stuff, um, using and developing other aspects of my being. So I wasn't able to do the sports, for instance. I wasn't an athletic person, but I managed to express myself through drawing, through singing, and through modeling stuff from um, that material which I don't know what it's called right now but yeah um, I never I, I didn't own uh, this part of myself fully until a few years ago because as I said growing in such a paradoxical environment even though I had plenty of inner resources um, the access to them was blocked due to all the self-esteem issues that I had, um, due to all the limiting beliefs that I absorbed from my outside environment. So even though I was talented, I couldn't see that. Everybody would tell me, oh, but you are so gifted and you should do this and you should do that. And I was like, oh no, they're just saying that to make me feel better. Or, oh no, they're, they're just trying to be nice. So I didn't actually, I wasn't, I wasn't able to see myself the way I was perceived on the outside by the people that I would share my work with ever since I was young. I think that the first time when I started to embrace this part of myself was in high school when uh, uh, my uh, teacher uh, kind of, yeah, he encouraged me to um, go and try poetry contests. So that's kind of what um, made me come out of my shell. Then when I was a student at a philosophy university, um, I remember taking part on a lecture club and one of the guys that was there after uh, I uh, presented my poetry, my work, he started to criticize my work real harsh and he started to press some buttons and some triggers that were really painful for me at that time. Like it was uh, like I had a plate on my forehead that said, say this to hurt her, you know, <laughs> and it worked. But I tried to be a badass and not let myself get affected by it. So on the surface, I looked really understanding and, oh, yeah, I love your feedback. Thank you very much. But actually, it kind of ravaged me. It, it fucked me up, basically. So when I got home, I just stopped writing. And I didn't write for another few years, three years, I think. It was the break of 
not expressing myself through writing, which I have done almost all my life, because I just felt like there was nothing that interesting that I could say. And this period lasted, as I said, for a few years until I, I hit rock bottom. I had to face a, a traumatic event, been in a really, really toxic relationship that kind of made everything crumble around me. And in order to be able to put myself together, I had to um, call on my, all of my resources. I had to look within me and find everything I could hold onto and grab so I can pull myself together again. And I rediscovered writing. But this time I decided not to write for other people because I found that being really decentering me. And I decided to write in a therapeutic manner. Uh, I decided to make art, but not make it perfect, just make it honest. You know, just allowing myself to explore uh, what was within me without having that conscious censorship. You know, when you are setting an intention to write something so others will enjoy it, others will read it. Uh, you tend to get a bit further away from yourself and you're also not exploring yourself that authentically anymore because you're focused to provide a certain thing for the outside world. And what I would do is just sit in front of the keyboard, close my eyes, put a nice track on and just let my fingers uh, type whatever came from my mind and that process lasted for two years and after two years I there, there were like a lot of synchronicities going on at that time um, I had a boom in my life so after I finished the manuscript um, one of one of my colleagues from uh, neuro-linguistic programming training uh, she was very impressed of one of my stories that I worked uh, on uh, during the coaching session and she gifted me this book that uh, was a poetry book, which was named The Princess Saves Herself in this Story. And the title moved me so profoundly that, I don't know, in the next night, I wrote an entire book like that. I didn't publish that book. It's, uh, still, in my, uh, it's still in my computer. It was a book about my childhood. But then I realized like, hey, wait, I have all this work and I'm sure that other people could maybe benefit from it, especially because I didn't do it with that intent. I did it for myself. Uh, so I talked with this person. I showed her my manuscript and she was like, Lumi, whenever you feel ready to publish, I am here and I know someone at a publishing house and just let me know I will... Uh, put you in, uh, in touch with this person. And <laughs> the funny part is that when I got in touch with this certain person, I realized she was a colleague of mine at the College of Psychology, that she knew me and apparently she admired me uh, and really, really liked me. So we started working together. At first, I couldn't afford the pricing of the publishing house. So that kind of delayed the publishing for another year. Uh, at first I was a bit discouraged, but after an year, she was the one who contacted me and she said, you know what, 
I can't stop thinking about your poetry. I would really, really, really love to be the publishing house that will publish your poetry. So look, we've been talking and uh, I, I, I've been talking, I will, I've been discussing with the board and we've come with, uh, with a special prize uh, to be able to help you. And that was, for me, it was a miracle, a synchronicity, a blessing because, because of her and the whole crew, one of my dreams came true and that's, that's amazing. So yeah, that, that's how I, how I ended up doing this. And the handcrafting part, uh, the online shop that I, I uh, managed, uh, the idea formed after I had an injury. There's a lot of stuff going on. So at some point, after I started working out and decided to reinvent myself, of course, I tried to speed up the process and, uh, I don't know, make up for the years I didn't work out. So my workouts were really intense. Also, for me, it was a way to process and work through my trauma. So, so I would usually work out six hours a day. And at some point, my lower back snapped um, during an ego lifting session. <laughs> and I found myself basically helpless again because the tool I just found that was helping me, which was working out, has been taken away from me. I wasn't able to work out anymore. The doctor said I will never be able to lift weights again. So I needed to do something. And I discovered that I like handcrafting stuff. And that was the first attempt to start making um, energy healing jewelry. At first, I was working only with wood. I didn't use crystals. Um, and the first time I tried this thing, it didn't last for a lot of uh, time. I think it helped me move for that period, but then I just put it on hold. And when the pandemic hit, I had to close my uh, center because my activity moved mostly online, so the, um, uh, the costs were not justified anymore. And that also kind of affected me. And during the pandemic, I was in this state where I really needed to feel like I can bring my contribution, like I can keep uh, being in the service of life. But I also needed to do my own work. So I was aware that I, this time of, Kibernation, as I like to call it, was also for me, not only for the people around me. And I needed to find a way in which I could be there for other people uh, while also being there for me. And that's when I, I, I went back to this project of mine and decided to create energy healing jewelry using natural crystals and their properties, their metaphysical properties. Uh, in order to be able to send that unconditional love, support, good energy, good vibes, but from a place where I don't have to um, face people directly, you know, I don't have to interact with them directly. It was something that, I, it was like a ritual for me. It was uh, an act of profound healing for myself, doing all that handcrafting. And also that process of healing myself was healing others. That, that was the, the goal of it. So yeah, that's what I can say about it. <laughs> Briefly. Description. Okay, so 
when you said your story about uh, poetry, I uh, actually uh, some things clicked in my mind as well uh, because actually I was also into poetry when I was uh, a child and growing up. Um, I also feel that I have to express myself because kind of nobody understood me when I was a child as well. Yeah. Uh, that that feeling of... Yeah, That's go. It. No, I, I just wanted to say that I empathize with you a lot on that feeling of being like a misfit, like not fitting in, nobody understanding the deepness of your being. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that um, basically I have a good relationship with my parents, but I feel like they don't understand me. I was a rebel. I wanted to, uh, you know, move from my house, just live and do whatever I want in the world at that time. So I was all this crazy. I had all these crazy ideas and I had to express them in, in a way. So it was kind of serendipitous because at that time um, I was also started to read, started to uh, be more, to, to expand my consciousness, basically. And um, what was serendipitous was that my uh, language teacher in the, in the school was uh, suggesting me to go to some contests of poetry and uh, write my things there and uh, I got published in some um, some specific newspapers for uh, you know young ch children who are writing poetry and I won some books and I won some contests in Bucharest uh, and it was amazing I my sense of self-worth was growing at that time of course because I, I don't know uh, at the age of 11, 12, you don't know who you are. And uh, because of that, I was for, for the first time in my life be able to express my creativity and actually make something productive out of it. So that was also connected with uh, what I said in the beginning of the intro that uh, I feel a connection between us. And I saw now that we have this common goal or this common point in our lives when we uh, express uh, our creativity by poetry um, I was not uh, be able to I was not able to express it in the way you did like publishing a book or actually doing something with it but I continue to write on my own and um, it's kind of a therapeutic experience in doing that in putting um, your words into paper and uh, speaking with someone about your thoughts as well. It's a therapeutic experience that I learned. Um, because basically, when you put your ideas into a form, the intensity of the feeling that you're feeling, it's like moved from yourself. Because sometimes what you are feeling is so, so hard to uh, embody it and to feel it because. It's kind of the intensity that we experience is 
is telling us to to manifest it in a way to uh, put it into words or when we do music is the same thing or when we dance is the same thing we want to express the intensity of the feeling into something basically so exactly what all creative people are feeling uh, when when the great art is exactly that you know uh, an expression of a deep profound inner feeling basically for me uh for me writing was also um usually when i would start to write i would feel numb most of the time it was it, it is actually during the most um challenging times of my life when i start to write and i have the inspiration to write but um, weirdly enough i don't usually write from a place of deep suffering or pain i usually uh first let myself feel that pain then i get to a place of or actually first i get to a place of numbness because the feeling is so deep and so profound that i have a hard time embodying it as you said and after i write it down i can actually move through the emotion and i think that's also because uh, you know, when when you have a lot of activity in your head and you're overthinking, you cannot get the thread of it. But when you start writing it down, you cannot write 10 words at a time. You have to take one word at a time and actually organize your thoughts, organize your inner experience. So writing actually helped me understand myself better. And also I resonated with what you said um, about your self-esteem improving after your teacher encouraged you to write and you started winning contests and all that because especially during our time of uh, our teenage years we need external validation it's something that we need at that time in order to be able to form an image of ourselves so we will value other people's opinions of us we will need others to validate us, to come and, um, I don't know, put us face to face with our qualities that we might not feel confident enough to own, even if we might know that they are there, you know? Exactly. And this is a thought that I had uh, recently, and it described exactly what uh, you said, because um, there are uh, a lot of great people. And I think we all geniuses, all the people are geniuses, is that the environment that we tend to move on and live. Because I was having the same thoughts, I'm, I was ha having the same magic in other places. You know, I was working in corporations, I was uh, doing a lot of different stuff that didn't feel like myself, basically. And even if I enjoyed it at that time, I was doing all over uh, the, I was over the place with other parts of my life, my relationship, my friends. I was doing things that distract me from real life, basically, because uh, it was not connected to myself. But if you put that geniuses of human being in a place where he fits, that is for himself, it's just growing and blossoming so beautiful. And this is what I i described in my thoughts and also what you said it's uh, it's really true actually it is the truth actually that we 
we have to find our own place basically in the environment to to be in the right environment in order to grow and it's perfect exactly. where you are at everyone is in different environments it's great where you're at but the important thing it's actually to realize and be aware of where you're at and with, with which people you're spending time what you're doing and basically i think um, it's not a good or right thing it's about what you feel over yourself if you are wasting time but you, it's good for you and you feel that it's good for you and it's relaxing you and detach you from what you're doing in order to actually uh, meditate about yourself it's a good point to be distracted in that way we also need to relax and not do stuff every time um good so i wanted to point out different uh, things that you also described but i also read about you so you move into this kind of self-healing journey uh, after the poetry days after you realize all the traumas that you have from your family and basically i want to ask you um what did you choose uh, this this part of of uh, let's say integrating many many fields because uh, maybe i forget to tell people in the beginning of this but you're also a yoga instructor personal trainer you're doing psychology also do courses in philosophy um so you're also doing coaching and consultation and therapy for your clients so basically you have a lot of different fields that you're um you know uh, mastering you, you have already a mastery in them and you, it's, they are something that interests you and wanted to, to ask you about this connection between different realms let's say okay so your question is how did i get to choose so many stuff and put them together well for me what i do is an expression of who i am i want my actions to be aligned with my inner essence and i am not only one thing uh, i used to work as you said in corporations and have mainstream jobs that i am sure that for some people are what they need and for me it was what i needed at that time but i kind of outgrew that place at some point and i started to feel like my time was worth more that i could do something more valuable with my energy and after i hit rock bottom and i had to reinvent myself i've decided because at that time i was afraid i will not be able to maintain my freedom for an extended period of time i was actually um i don't know contemplating about suicide because it I, I didn't want to kill myself but it just felt like the only escape at that time so i decided to take my days my last days and make the best out of them i decided that if i am in danger of losing my freedom of uh i don't know losing my life basically i could at least enjoy what's left of it so that was the moment when i cleared all my uh, inner circles i uh, gave up toxic relationships i lost basically actually not lost gave up uh, most of my friends almost all of them 
So there was a time for me when I was really, really, really on my own. And in that moment, I decided for myself that I will not get hired again, regardless of how hard is and challenging that's going to be. And first of all, I started with psychology. Because at that time, and I think that a lot of time when we are choosing our careers, we are choosing them to honor certain aspects of ourselves that still need healing. You know, in a way, it's like a mirroring uh, service. I am in the service of life because I need to be in, ser in the service of myself, if it makes sense. I feel the need to help others because I need healing myself. And by healing others, I heal myself from mirroring. So at first I started with psychology because uh, first, at first I was a philosophy student, but I was more interested in the meaning of life and uh, how things worked in the universe and less about uh, economics and uh, international relationships, politics, that wasn't really my thing. Uh, and after I switched from philosophy college to psychology, uh, I started to discover that, oh, wait, there is more to it. Because let me reframe this a bit. After I hit rock bottom, uh, the two most fundamental pillars that helped me get back on my feet and avoid medical treatment and hospitalization in a mental hospital was nutrition and activity, physical activity, fitness, in my case. Those two pillars helped me put myself back on track because they helped me regulate my hormonal activity and uh, basically they, they helped me rebuild myself. But after a while, I realized it was not enough to take care of my body and that, okay, just just as it is with the pills pills are treating symptoms they are not treating the cause uh, pills will solve a certain imbalance a biochemical imbalance in your brain which you can also adjust with the right nutrition and with the right activity but the traumas that you've been through the wounds that are still there they are not going to be healed by food or even exercise sometimes so I started to look deeply, more, more deeply. And I discovered neuro-linguistic programming. Actually, at that time, I, I had a really bad opinion about NLP. I was very critical of it and thought it was bullshit. <laughs> I thought it was just a manipulation tactic for selling and marketing. But my mom insisted that I would just give it a go, give it a try, at least for the diploma, you know, just so I would be able to do something with my future in case, just in case, you know, to, to have a base. And I was like, okay, fine, I will go. But at that time, I was so traumatized that I didn't trust anybody around me. I thought that everybody around me wanted to harm me, to use the information that they would, that they would get from me against me. So I wasn't able to participate here in Bucharest because it felt too close to my traumatic well, background. So I had to uh, go every month to Brasov, and that's where I did my NLP course. And there I met wonderful people. 
uh, with which I've learned how to love myself again, how to see myself with loving eyes, how to trust people again, how to open up. And I realized that in order for me to be able to live an aligned life, I need to look at stuff holistically. Uh, I was very frustrated of the approach that the therapist I worked at the time had because she basically just wanted me to get on pills and she didn't even inform me on the uh, possibility of you becoming addicted to those pills or the, what the treatment actually means. So I had to do this research on my own. And after all this, uh, how to say, all these re realizations of mine, I decided to prove to myself and to others that you can heal holistically. So that's how I started. After starting my NLP journey, during my NLP journey, I've been, um, pre I, 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 I came in touch with hypnosis. It was one of the modules that we worked with. And we had to make this, Trans for a colleague of ours, we were teamed up in uh, um, in packs of two, and I had to design a trance for my colleague. And when I read that to my trainer, she was she she was left speechless. She just looked at me and she said, "I can't believe this. You intuitively just created a shamanic Ericksonian." Uh, energetical, you know, whatever trends. And she was like, you used so many tools from so many areas and brought them together. And I didn't know that because I did it all by just following the pattern that she provided us, like the steps, and filling that steps with what I thought, what I felt was right. And she was so impressed with my trends that she actually published uh, the trends on her website, which of course, as you said, we need to be encouraged. We need to be seen. We need to feel seen and validated. And I think that if she, were, if she would have not published that trends, I would have not been a hypnotherapist right now. Because you know like uh, how it is in school when uh, let's say you have a horrible math teacher and you end up hating math, it goes the same way, but uh, the opposite direction. It goes both ways. When you are having a trainer which is really, really inspiring, empowering, um, uh, you tend to start to love that thing. And she provided me with the right environment to be able to explore this, this stuff. So after I finished the NLP course, I actually got... Uh, uh, I enrolled myself in a hypnotherapy certification course uh, with the European Hypnosis Association, where I did integrative hypnosis, which is not only hypnotherapy, but also like skin uh, uh, hypnosis, you know, the, the show kind of hypnosis, where you uh, induce um, certain suggestions to the participants and they start running around like, oh no, there's a snake there, but it's just a belt or something like that. However, I did not resonate with this side of the hypnosis because I think that hypnosis is such a powerful tool that should be used in an ecologic and very aware manner, conscious manner. 
you don't know the traumas, the triggers that you are able to uh, push when you're working with someone for the sake of entertainment. So that's why I like to use these tools in a therapeutic manner. So after I certified myself as a um, hypnotherapist, by that time I was already a yoga instructor because after I got uh, that lower back injury that I told you about uh, a few sentences ago, um, being faced with the fact that I might not be able to lift weights for the rest of my life, I needed to find something else. And I was looking into calisthenics. I wanted to become a pole dancer because I sucked at dancing all my life. And I was like, hmm, pole dancing would actually offer me the opportunity to get the body of Anisha because you have to be uh, very um, balanced in your physical development and also provide me with that artsy side of the movement, you know, embodying emotion through the moves. And as I was searching for a certification, <laughs> a course to be able to develop these futures in, in me, I came across purely unintentional, to uh, an advertisement mm -hmm. uh, of this yoga. And reading the description of it um, kind of rang some bells inside my mind because I'm not sure if I mentioned my mom used to practice yoga even before I was born. So I don't remember the first time I meditated because it's like I've done it ever since I know myself. But growing up, uh, I kind of distanced myself from the spiritual path. Also, because uh, when I was young, for instance, I, have a, I had a religion teacher that would tell kids to not play with me because I was a pagan. Yeah, so basically you wanted to develop yourself in many ways. In, in your healing journey, I understood that Basically, you try different methods because you were not feeling right. So you, you yeah. tried to um, do and be productive in the ways that you will learn some new techniques, some new um, modes of expressing yourself. And you're trying different stuff. And you also go into this uh, leap of faith, let's say, when you try things that you thought before that are not working or are bullshit but actually that ended up um, being a really nice and amazing experience for you that was helping you understand yourself better right exactly. so basically there are a lot of stuff that I want to point out from you and what you're saying um, first of all you said something really interesting that actually resonated with me. And uh, you said something related to being with yourself and feeling good with yourself and giving up relationships, giving up friends in order to grow yourself, in order to actually discover who you are more. Because we, when we are with ourselves, we are the most in our truth. When we are with others, we tend to kind of wear a mask, a persona, how it's said, 
in the in the books but uh, when we are staying with yourself we are actually in the truth and yeah that feeling when you are with yourself if you are enjoying yourself if you are enjoying what you are doing is really important because i think we live in a society right now where a lot of people are trying to escape from themselves there are a lot of instructions and wanted to ask you actually how would you say for someone who is trying to let's say he's an aware person who wanted wants to understand himself better what he tried till now was not working for him but he wants to to try more and i think your background and your story can relate to a lot of people and can help people uh, start from a point because you also have this curiosity to start doing a lot of stuff but many people fear to try new things because it's scary to try new things right so i wanted to ask you this uh, what your advice would you give in uh, in terms of from from your experience in terms of your experience um to someone who is trying to heal himself trying to go into this battle being with himself and feeling good with himself well first of all i think the most important thing is to be willing to to look to look where it hurts because as you said um when you are uh, nowadays there's a lot of um running from ourselves and i think that's mostly because as kids we most of us were not taught how to regulate our emotions so it's normal to feel the need to run away or hide from something that you have no tools on how to deal with or something that you don't know anything about so first of all i think it's really important to come into the present moment regardless of what you've been through or what could happen to you in the future just to bring your awareness into the present moment and start to work from where you're at how to start to work from where you're at by asking yourself questions especially if you said that we are talking about someone that is aware which means that they already have this capacity of looking within themselves or they are starting to develop this capacity of introspection and self analysis which is essential because our reality and the way we perceive it and experience it is designed and influenced by our own inner reality and um in order to heal um whatever there is to be healed there needs to be first of all clarity you have to be able to look where it hurts then you have to be willing to understand yourself and the ones that provoked the trauma um there needs to be a development in acceptance you have to connect to that uh heart space from which you can see people beyond their role let's say 
I mean, for instance, I will give you a personal example. Uh, one of the hardest tasks and journeys I've, I've been to and I'm currently, currently walking through is healing my relationship with my father. And for me, healing my relationship, uh, one of the most critical moments in healing my relationship with him was back when I still hated him for everything that I've experienced during my childhood. And I remember that at that time, I wanted him dead. I wanted him to suffer um, the pain that I suffered. So during the familial constellation, I managed to play, to play that scene in which I caused him a lot of suffering, in which I uh, mm, expressed all my hatred that I felt towards him. And I thought that seeing him in tremendous amounts of pain will make me feel like I was avenged, you know? But staring at the person that was embodying him, which was a woman, paradoxically, so I would have more distance. Instead of seeing my father, I saw the man that was playing the father, let's say. I mean, I saw him beyond his role as a, as a parent. And I, in that moment, it hit me that no amount of pain, no amount of uh, suffering that I'm going to cause him is going to, first of all, take away my pain or heal my pain. But quite the contrary was causing me more suffering because I realized that I've become the monster. I've been so, um, so eager to fight, you know, that I, I hate it so much. So I think that in our healing journey, what's really, really essential is to look at the people around us and to be able to cultivate a sense of empathy and compassion. Because in order for you to hurt people, you have to be hurt yourself. You, most of, not most of the people, all of the people that have caused pain or suffering to other people have been going through an astonishing amount of suffering themselves. And being able to see him as the abused child that he was, being able to see him as the young man that was not ready to have a family, <laughs> you know, uh, being able to see him as the successful um, businessman that he was, helped me actually heal. Maybe I cannot put everything into words. There were some insights that I've had that were so profound that it's hard for me to verbalize them. But it was like for the first time in my life, I was able to see him as a human being. And that was very healing. So yeah, that, that's, that's one of the steps. Another step after you are able to integrate this and you are able to see other people as human beings, not only as the role that they play in the dynamic with you. Um, the next step, I think, is to start working on your self-worth and self-love as well because, okay, it's important to understand that 
the people that hurt you were hurt themselves, but that's not an excuse. That's an explanation. And it's great for you to become aware of that. But that doesn't mean that you deserved what you went through. It doesn't mean that what happened to you was normal or that it should have happened. And what I hear a lot of times is people saying how grateful they are for the beatings they had in childhood or how grateful they are for the way, uh, the horrible way people treated them. Because look, look at me, look at me who, who I am right now. And what I want to say about it, that is that we, we shouldn't be grateful for the torture that we had to endure as kids. You cannot go to your inner kid and tell him, I'm grateful you got beaten up. I'm grateful you got raped or what, what not. You, you cannot say that. But what you can be grateful for is your own capacity to work through that trauma, to work through that pain, to alchemize all that suffering into something, something that makes you a better person, you know, that makes you stronger, that makes you, that, that helps you grow. Because saying that you're grateful for somebody hurting you, uh, what I think is nonsense is because a lot of us go through painful experiences and traumatic experiences, but not all of us get to experience the transcendence of pain, if, if you understand what I mean. Like, yeah. uh, my father was hurt, but his journey did not include or didn't include yet this aspect of alchemization of the pain, you know? Exactly, and to understand well, deeper than the surface, because when we look at the people's uh, actions, we didn't understand their motivations to do the actions in the first place. Yeah. And many traumatic uh, experiences that uh, our parents or loved ones had is um, is expressed and manifest into actions that we don't understand, especially in our childhood. We don't understand exactly. a lot of stuff about their past, about what they are being born into, because exactly. um, we we cannot choose actually <laughs> what circumstances we we have when we are um, you know, starting our lives. And uh, seeing behind the surface and transcend uh, all the surface and go deeper into their experience. Maybe what I found that is a great way to actually um, open up a lot of that stuff is to communicate with your loved ones and communicate exactly. in a way that you don't judge them. That non-violent communication. feelings there. It's just that you have a honest conversation from human being to human being, and you understand basically the reasons for acting like that. And the, when you understand your ancestors, your family, even your friends from childhood, you understand actually what things about yourself in a way. And, and it can be actually sorry, sorry, say. Yes, and I think that also when we are able to understand the context of uh, other people's actions, uh, we also um, become aware of the fact that no human is evil 
and no human is actually a bad person. There's no such things as as bad, as bad persons. There is bad behaviors. There can actually there can be toxic behaviors. Uh, the way we act can be toxic, but we in our essence are not toxic. We just are. We are divine creatures. Uh, but we are divine creatures that came here to experience to have this human experience that includes uh, working through trauma and working through uh, you know like a, I, I find this metaphor really really uh, graphic for the human development which is the lotus flower another step I think that after you as I said after we develop that sense of compassion and after we develop that sense of acceptance and em empathy of the ones that harmed us uh, it is necessary for us to be able to forgive them and also to forgive ourselves we're not forgiving them for their own benefit uh, forgiveness is something that benefits you and buddha had this story about um, one guy that came um, when he was walking and he started to basically call him names and uh, talk badly about him like oh you're such a fake prophet you come and talk about all this kind of stuff but for me nothing worked la, la, la. you're just throwing bullshit <laughs> everywhere and the buddha just listened to him with compassion he just patiently waited for him to finish his uh, TED talk. <laughs> and after that, uh, the man at some point got even more angry and he was like, why are, uh, why are you not reacting? Why are you not saying anything? And in that moment, the Buddha said, well, think about this. Let's say that I have a present and I wanna give you this present. I wanna give you this gift, but let's say, that I am looking at this gift and I say, no, thank you. I don't want this gift. What happens to the gift? And the man says, well, the gift stays with me. So Buddha says, yeah, exactly. Just like now, you came here, you started to tell me all your frustrations and you tried to gift me this anger and fury that you held inside. And I said, no, thank you. So what happens to all that fear, all that anger, all that frustration? It stays with you. And the same goes with forgiveness. Because when you're not forgiving, all this hatred, all this frustration, all this toxic emotions and energy and thoughts, the first person that is affected by them is you. Until your bad wishes will reach the other person, you will be the first one experiencing them. So it is for your own benefit to free yourself, to liberate yourself, to be able to just let go of the feelings that you hold on to so, 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 much, so many years, so much time. But you cannot do this like that. You cannot slap your fingers and, oh, okay, great, now it's all forgiven. No, in order to be able to forgive, you have to acknowledge the fact that you're not where you used to be anymore. You outgrew that place. 
you need to make all these steps that we've talked about, about uh, compassion and acceptance, both of your own actions and the others. Because, okay, with parents, usually we, we're not uh, really contributing to the trauma, you know, in our early childhood. We are just, we are simply being, and our parents um, kind of uh, transmit their own patterns, their own toxic patterns to us. But when we grow up, when we grow up and we have relationships with other people, then we also come with our own contribution. So it's also important to be able to look within ourselves, to own the fact that we're not perfect creatures either, that we sometimes tend to hurt people out of our own wounds or unconsciousness or whatever. And to be able to forgive ourselves for, for the choices that we've made for not knowing better, for accepting to stay in a place that you knew was, was toxic for you because you were not able yet to live. Maybe you didn't have the same tools. And what I found really healing in self-forgiveness is knowing that every second of your life, you make the best decision that you can make at that time. Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, oh, how can I fuck up my life today? You know, how can I choose the least best option for myself? No, everybody will choose what they think and what they feel is best for them at that time. It's easy to look in the past. It's easy to look back and think, oh, I should have done that. I could have done that and so on. But no, you could have not. <laughs> you could have not done that because if you could have, you would have. And you didn't. But now you think that because looking back, you have went through a journey. You have gone already through that experience and you know the outcomes. You have a more, let's say, a broader picture of it. But you shouldn't, you should, from my perspective, you should never burden yourself um, with this feeling of I, did, I, I didn't do enough um, because it just, I think this is just one of the inner critics traps, you know? It's something that our inner critic is telling us in order to devalue ourselves a bit more instead of letting us harvest the teachings that we get from each experience because yeah you might be it, it, there's nothing wrong with realizing that you could have done something better let's say in the means that now you see uh, more perspectives mm -hmm. or more options mm -hmm. to that experience exactly and but uh, yeah i wanted to say that this uh, uh, cho choices that we took at that time uh, it, it, it's only backwards that we can see the evolution of that. We cannot see exactly. it the way when you have to take a decision how your life will evolve from that moment. But you can see from backwards exactly. and from backwards. And uh, also this com comes to, to the awareness stage when you see exactly the journey that you're going through. Because uh, I, I have a saying and um, I think it's uh, a really old one, but actually every step of the way is um, is is a growing is is a is already 
many steps before others, right? Like, you know, exactly. you already had took 100 steps and that 100 steps are already there for you. And maybe someone who is older than you is just starting now, basically. And exactly. he's taking the first three steps, for example. Um, and it's very... Yeah. It's, it's very important to uh, look at ourselves. I, I like to think that we are perfect just the way we are. And by saying that we are perfect just the way we are, I don't mean that we are um, our final version. I don't mean to say that uh, we don't have to keep on changing, growing, transforming, evolving, because this is an ever, ever go, ever evolving. Ever, we, we have an ever evolving and ever changing nature. But what I mean by saying we are perfect is that we are perfect in each phase of our development because as you said each step that you take is going to support your next step and your next step and your next step so maybe i need to go through a certain experience let's say uh where i don't have all the tools available and i let's say i don't make the best out of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh, and i want to hear something really important that <laughs> is the concept that we also teaching in our coaching sessions and I'm also a strong believer of this because in life you don't have all the things clear at some point. You have to take a decision by having the courage to actually take that decision. Uh, a decision that it's mostly, mostly scare you, mostly is a decision that I call the leap of faith. And exactly. Sleep of faith are the 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 crossroads of life. I think because when we feel from that gut that we have to do something, but we don't do it, the regret it's killing us a bit, uh, a bit by bit by bit. Because uh, what I saw is actually many people regret what they don't took or what they don't did instead of what they did and did, uh, and who was a failure let's say exactly. because yeah. uh, we kind of uh, have this trauma and these experiences many of us when we grow up we tend to be a naive uh, kind of uh, person we tend to get ripped off by some people or we didn't uh, have the experience to actually enjoy and win that uh, that moment when the and be a joyful experience. We kind of had a trauma because yeah, people were disappointing us, stuff like that. And actually, what is the courage of taking this leap of faith is not going into uh, into the belief that you are naive because you are trusting this person because you are going to do this business because whatever you want to do is coming from a place of courage and uh, trusting that what you want and what your intuition said to do is the correct choice in the end and go for it. Because I think that uh, the most important decisions in life are not the ones that are 100% sure. For, for. 
Exactly. For that matter, yeah. And I think that one of the most difficult uh, parts of doing what you just said um, is actually aligning yourself to your inner compass, which can be um, kind of out of sync, let's say, uh, after facing trauma. Uh, the trauma has a very profound effect on the development of the brain and how we regulate our emotions, our stress responses. Uh, it affects the activity of our amygdala. And also it kind of impairs us, uh, our sense of being in touch with our intuition because it makes us distance ourselves from our feelings. This is what trauma does. We need in order for us to be able to um, adapt and to survive the trauma, at some point we have to take distance from ourselves, especially when we are young and we have no place to go. We are totally dependent on our parents. So the only chance for me to survive in a toxic environment is to join uh, to join the mm -hmm. toxic side, let's say. You know, yeah. if you cannot fight them, join them. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you're becoming um, more and more aware and you're starting to take this leaps, leap of faith, uh, as you call them, um, at first it can feel really, really scary because somehow it doesn't matter how disconnected we are from ourselves, we are still ourselves. So we, there is still going to be that tiny little spark, that tiny little feeling of goosebumps or vibration when you hear something that resonates with your inner truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that at first it can be really hard to follow that hunch, that little voice, that little guidance within yourself. But uh, as you said, once you take that leap of faith, uh, that choice is actually going to strengthen your relationship with yourself. Once you start to uh, have the guts to just go there and find yourself, discover yourself, your purpose, your path, your mission, that's actually how you come back to yourself, if it exactly. makes sense. I want to go here into a little bit of different direction, but related to what you said. So basically, you are a really powerful person. Um, you are working with a lot of different concepts. And I feel in what you're saying that there is a lot of truth. Uh, it's a bit harder to, to follow you sometimes because you are going through a lot of different experiences of yours, different concepts that you learn, different things that you teach. And I want to put the structure a bit here on actually what you're saying is really deep and it's really embodied into your nature. It's really what you feel, what you experience. And I think that is the most powerful teacher of all. That, that is the reason that you go and develop all these activities like yoga, like fitness, like NLP, dancing, spirituality. Something. My dream. But what did you say it here that I want to ask you about why you want to share it with others? Because you also have a lot of. You are working a lot with yourself and you're telling me a lot about your experiences. 
But why you want to share it with the world? Do you feel that your case is a case of like many people feel this way, but they don't know what to do? But you already took these leaps of faith, as I said before, and you already had a lot of steps in your journey. But right now you want to come back. You said uh, in a meeting last night, basically, that you want to share your gifts with the world. And uh, what these feelings are like, what this um, inner feeling is coming from? Oh, well, um, first of all, let me gather my thoughts a bit so I can answer. Um, the reason why I feel like sharing all these tools with uh, other people is because most of my life, as we've discussed, I've been a misfit. I hated myself. I hated my body. I was very sick and all that. So long story short, I know what it feels to walk for help. I know what it feels to be in tremendous amounts of suffering and to be surrounded by toxic people. And I also know what it's like to feel like you have close to no support. I know what it feels like to want to heal yourself, but to not know where to start. Um, I also know that it's great to start your healing journey, but at some point you need someone to guide you. Um, when our deepest wounds start to surface, when we are doing shadow work and inner kid work, there are times when we can undergo a regression, which means that our psyche just regresses to an earlier stage when the trauma was inflicted. And from that very vulnerable uh, psychological state, let's say emotional state, it's very hard to be that adult, that help, healthy adult for you. So um, what I want in my work is to be able to be that encore for people when they need centering, when they need to work on their healing. I don't want to heal them. As I said, I think that each and every one of us heals themselves, but I want to be there by their side. I want them to know that they are not alone. And I want them, I, I want to provide them with a variety of tools, uh, all gathered in a holistic approach, because I know that my path, my healing path required more than just going to therapy or more than just eating healthy, you know? Yeah. It took me so many steps and I had to be really flexible and creative in uh, generating a program, let's say, that would work for me. And I know that not everyone has the time, the passion, the implication, the energy to do so. For a fact, I know that when you are depressed, you can sometimes barely get out of bed. You have a hard time washing yourself or doing the most basic stuff. And you end up beating yourself for not being able to do them. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that when you're in that state, 
you might need a bit of help you know you might need a hand to grab on or a stick or something you know so i think that at first we before we are able to integrate all these resources and to accept the unlimited potential that we have we need to work through a lot of processes let's say you have to outgrow a lot of versions of yourself um, especially in the beginning of our journey, we might find that we play these dramatic uh, roles, like we play the victim role, we, we play the abuser role, we play the, uh, the salvation, the salvator, the rescuer role. So we need to become aware of this. And sometimes it's really hard to become aware of your own uh, shadows unless you work with someone that can mirror them to you, that can exactly. help you see your blind spots, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we all have these blind spots. For sure. <laughs> we are not perfect human beings. We are exactly. Perfect, but we also have these patterns that we follow that sometimes don't uh, lead us into the right direction. And I want to... And, and we heal in the right relationship. Sorry, I just want to add this mm -hmm. little thing because I think it's very, very important. Uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing is because we heal through connection. Mm -hmm. You can only do so much by yourself. At some point, you need to be seen. You need to be validated. You need your feelings to be validated by um, sort of a maternal or paternal figure, you know? The love that you didn't get, the approval that you didn't get when you were a kid, you can experience in a secure environment, in a secure uh, background, let's say, when you're in therapy, because that's a safe space. And you can explore stuff that maybe wouldn't be so healthy if you'd experience them in your relationship. Let's say if a trauma surfaces, and you're undergoing a panic attack and I don't know, a decompensation, it, there might, your, your partner might feel overwhelmed. He might, you might trigger his own traumas. So healing in relationships, even though it's still healing for connection, it's really great, but it's important not to make our friends or our lovers into therapists because they are not that. And it can be very overwhelming for them and toxic for both of you rather than bringing you closer as it is said like oh yeah open up be vulnerable yeah that's great that's great be vulnerable open up but also allow yourself and give yourself the right setting to process all that so after you process it and internalize it you can go to your lover or to your friends and talk about it so mm -hmm. they will get to know mm -hmm. you better mm -hmm. And this is a really important concept. I wanted to say exactly what you said before you threw me, so it's perfect. How it goes, we complete each other in a way. Because here is an idea that uh, all of what you said can be resumed in one idea. We can go along so far. We cannot um, understand some points about ourselves because we have subjective feelings, subjective experiences, and we can also be... Um, of, uh, have a professional knowledge in some stuff. You cannot know anything. And the idea is we all need support. We all need coaching, exactly. therapists. 
will need the even even the therapist yeah. need to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, all the therapists that I'm speaking working with are going to the process. Exactly. And I hear that a lot, uh, this misconception about, oh, but you're a therapist. How can you, how can you have anxiety or how can you deal with, uh, how, how can you have depression? Well, just because you have knowledge doesn't mean that your wounds just vanish like that. Just because you know why a wound is there or why a trauma has created, just because you understand it, that's just like a... Uh, part of the yeah. whole healing process and integration process there are many other puzzle pieces which which are very important together along the way yeah. and i think that owning uh, owning our emotions is part of it uh, i was saying in the first part that it's normal to be afraid to face something that it's unfamiliar or that you have no idea how to deal with because mm -hmm. maybe when you were angry or when you were crying as a kid, your parents didn't know how to handle you because they didn't know how to handle the suffering that they were feeling from your suffering. So maybe they started yelling at you just so you will stop because that's the way their parents treated themselves as well. Uh, uh, or they can hurry and try to calm down like, oh, okay, baby, stop crying, stop crying, it's okay, stop, it's okay. This is also a way of not dealing with your emotions. And if you pay attention, if we pay attention, we will notice that what is more important in, the, in our healing journey is not to get rid of the feelings, but to learn how to relate to them and how to work with them. It's very important to understand that there is no such thing as a wrong feeling. You cannot be wrong for feeling anything that you're feeling. Everything that you're feeling is yours to be felt. Uh, you're uh, entitled to feel fear, to feel shame, to feel anger, to feel frustration. Uh, but it's important what you're doing with it. And this is what we were not taught. We were learned to associate, for instance, anger with violence. And so a lot of us, including myself, have suppressed their anger and ended up in severe depression because of that. Yeah, so the idea There is a really strong point here because, especially right now, this is especially... Um, um, what we experience now, I mean, in this society, because we are thought not to express anger in any way. We are thought that to be angry is bad. We are told exactly. our children that when he's crying, when he's screaming, just stop. You, you, you buy him that food, you give him, just shut up, man. <laughs> you know? Because the parents are unable to sit with the pain exactly. of the children. Uh, society also promotes it because in the past, yeah, we have a lot of, um, let's say, paternalism kind of men in the power. We, we express anger in many, many ways through, uh, you know, uh, hierarchies, through, let's say, all the men <laughs> encounters of the past history, like wars and all yeah. that or, uh, ego that was... Uh, yeah, the patriarchal. Was expressed, but now we are suppressing it inside, right? 
actually exactly. anger can be a really great emotion to feel because anger can channel you doing amazing stuff into this reality. Exactly. Anger is just an indicator that's telling you that what's happening is not in alignment with your inner truth and your values. That something is not in balance mm -hmm. and it's not honoring your truth. So it's great to be angry about stuff. It's, it's great to be angry about all the bad things that are happening in the world, let's say. It's, it's okay to feel angry about seeing someone beating their wife on the street. It's totally okay to feel that way. But it's about what you're doing with that anger. Are you letting that anger just eat you from the inside, make you feel powerless? Are you going to go and smack that dude <laughs> silly? Are you just going to go to the gym and hit the boxing bag? Are you going to make a podcast about why domestic violence is not good? You can direct anger comes with this fuel, this, this amazing, tremendous amount of energy. That's why you feel so tense because there's a lot of energy building up within yourself because you need to act. Anger is a feeling that enables you to move into action. But your action must be directed from here, actually. From, from here. the heart, yeah. From, from the heart, heart. Yeah, from your true yeah. intelligence. She's pointing to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to uh, go here into something that is related to what you said. You developed uh, many programs that are combined. All the fields that we discussed are combined. And I wanted to ask you here on the services that you're providing to people, your uh, uh, gifts, as you said, that you're sharing. So you combine all these different knowledge experience into programs that I want to, in some programs that I want you to talk about. And especially here, I want to ask you if there is um overall method that you combine together that can be your own that can be your of course it's your own because it's based on your experience and all of that but you actually develop a method on your own way that yeah we can i can do that in this way because we also talk about uh, um, your many 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 interested in this subject but we didn't talk about um more specifically the methods right that you are uh, sharing so i want to ask what uh, is the differentiator that you can say about what you are doing to the people who are listening now who maybe don't know you but wanted to work with you want to give you a message to be more clear in their minds exactly what they can expect to when we when they reach out to you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so my personal method which i'm currently uh developing i'm still working on it it's in an ever-growing ever-changing ever-transforming <laughs> um state uh is basically focusing on getting to know the, the client's needs uh, it's very important to first understand the material we're working with. We need to understand that we're all different and 
even though we might have had similar experiences, the way we react and move through them are very different. Also, the way we perceive them are very different. So after, usually I start my work with a talk in which we gather some basic general information and we go in depth where it is required. And after that, I like to customize uh, each program uh, individually. I like to customize what I do by, uh, let's say, if I work with someone that suffers from uh, cancer, let's say, uh, I would look to a holistic approach in which we can target the healing on all areas. On the physical body, I would implement a chill yoga um, routine, which means uh, helping the body uh, maintain a sort of tonus, um, a fitness of the body, because you need to take care of your muscles and you, you need movement in order for your body to be in a good state. Combining yoga with functional training helps uh, in the process because we all live different kinds of lifestyles. Some of us have to sit a lot. Some of us work a lot um, by uh, standing. So the movement has to be adjusted to the lifestyle. But working on the physical plane is not enough. And when we are dealing with any kind of situation, I am looking not only at the physical aspect, also the nutrition, um, but with the nutrition, I usually collaborate with someone because I'm not specified on that area, even though it is one of my passions. And then we move to the, uh, let's say, the deeper aspects of the therapy of the program, of the method, in which I am supporting the change that we want to implement through reprogramming the subconscious mind. And I do this combining a variety of ancient techniques like ancient meditation techniques with uh, hypnotherapy and um, uh, basically neuro-linguistic programming because it's very, very, very important. So the method that I created is a holistic approach to growing, to healing, to transformation. I couldn't say i couldn't pinpoint and say you know this is what i do uh, I, I mean give you a clear um definition of it or a clear example of it because it depends from one case to another there are people with which i don't work on a physical plane i only uh focus on um uh on inner work let's say on uh uh, working with the belief systems, with uh, emotions. And uh, the way I work with people is also influenced by their level of openness, you know, because at first, some people might feel uncomfortable to exercise in a, uh, in a specific setting, like they come for therapy and they're like, ah, oh, but... I came here to solve my self-esteem, not my self-esteem, let's say, I came here to solve my uh, issues at the workplace. Why do I have to <laughs> stay in a certain asana? But uh, slowly they start to understand that 
every plane of existence is interconnected and that energy gets stuck in our body. And in order for us to obtain a more of a mental clarity and to be more aligned with ourselves, we have to move our body. We have to embody uh, the process that we're going through internally, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I, I work intuitively, so I don't have a set uh, structure, let's say. You know, I have tools and I allow myself to be, to put these tools in the service of the client, however it feels fit at that moment, being connected and being present there, uh, aligned with what the client needs and wants to achieve. Because it's easy, you know, (laughs) I had this in the beginning of my career, I would try to make my clients fit my, um, let's say, my um, imaginary coaching session, let's say, you know? Like, I would come with uh, something prepared and I would be like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And when I was faced with a client, faced when, I, when I was with a client in the, in the room, I would realize that everything I have prepared for that day was so not what the client needed. Maybe he just needed something totally different. Like instead of maybe I wanted to do um, a shaking uh, exercise to release uh, stuck trauma, but maybe that person didn't need it to move that time. Maybe they actually needed to go inside and just be with themselves and not even talk to me. Just be there and in silence, you know? Because sometimes we also need that. We don't need to talk. We, we just need to be. And to be not alone, you know, to be in the company of someone that can stand us just being, not doing. Right. Thanks for this description. Um, I want to suggest anyone who resonates to contact Luminita. I will also leave all the links available in the description. and. Um, if you stay till the final, first of all, you're a hero that you're listening all of this. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, shy away to share with us your story also. And uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, receive a message from you if you stay till this uh, moment in the discussion. And uh, I will also. Um, want you to subscribe to this if you like it, to share it with others, because in this way I will invite more architects of the future, like Luminsa in the podcast, and we'll have amazing experiences. <laughs> and in the end, Luminsa, I want you to share one of the poems that you like the most. You can recite it in Romanian or in English if you want, but uh, I will leave the end to you and i'll appreciate everyone for listening to this okay so um actually i will read you something in english it's uh, one of the poems from a manuscript i'm currently working on and even though i'm not sure i'm so great at uh, reciting i will do my best 
I will take that leap of faith. So here we go. When existence is dreadful, I embrace chaos and I swallow unspoken spells while, seeking, while sinking the souls into my hair and returning to the God in my cells. I need the coolest of waters to keep me stable in times of unspeakable fear. I need the fastest reactions to slow me down before I melt and disappear. I am losing myself in the why and finding myself in the how. I travel away from the drop of my soul. I am saying in my now. So this would be a small poem <laughs> from nice. the manuscript I'm currently working on. This is the perfect standing. 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 